Hey everyone, happy Monday and welcome back to the Venn Diagram. I am your host, Alina Fayez, and we're going to jump right back into programming. First, I want to apologize for this weird sort of pause, hiatus in production. Um, long story short, it's been a pretty busy few weeks. I was in D.C. Uh, in an apartment off campus, and so when that sublet ended, I headed back home to Houston, where I am right now, um, which means Texas heat, Texas time zones, all that comes with being back in Texas. But happy back home um, and getting back in the swing of things, and there was no better way for me to do that than to resume my programming with these two phenomenal guests I have here for you today. Uh, we have Charlene and Brandon, both accomplished, well-spoken amazing human beings um so without further ado let's just jump right back into the show i hope you enjoy hello everyone and welcome back to the venn diagram happy monday um i am here with two of the coolest guests um i always say like i have celebrities on campus and people are probably like who are the celebrities but i mean it this time um i've mentioned every other time too but charlene and brandon phenomenal human beings essay people like big people on campus um go ahead and introduce yourselves um and give people a rundown of who you are um name age major hometown pronouns give me the full thing um hello everybody my name is charlene richards i'm a first year studying political science and journalism but i may potentially switch to criminal justice and polycom i am from willingboro new jersey um, um, pronouns she, her, hers, and I'm just very excited to be on here today. Um, also, I just recently got elected as CCAS undergraduate senator, so I am excited about that, and yeah. yeah. And before I introduce myself, not only did Charlene get elected, she got elected with the, lo- with the most votes by far. <laughs> yes, oh <laughs> So really just had to shout her out with that one, because I'm so proud. Um, but my name is Brandon. I use the pronouns he, him, his. I'm currently a third year student majoring in both political communication and human services and social justice with a minor in sociology. I'm from the great state of Maryland, and I currently serve as the president of the GW Student Association, and I've been lucky enough to be elected to serve a full term for the next academic year. Phenomenal. Yep. They're like, we're trying to be humble, but they can't even like do here. They're all super accomplished. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. I asked him drinking coffee as we speak. So I'm going to speak fast. I'm trying to slow myself down. I get too excited. Okay. So um, we keep mentioning this thing called the student association. Let's just jump right into it and explain that for people that don't go to GW. Um, can one of you kind of talk through what the ESA is, what they do for GW and people that do attend the school and don't um, kind of give us a rundown on what the ESA is? Yeah, awesome. I guess I'll take this one. Um, so the Student Association is basically student government, um, but it's more advocacy-based um, and policy-based. So not much of what we do is event planning and like planning your high school prom, like what we like um, it used to be in some um, places. It's more of uh, we're the direct line of communication with administration. Um, we're the only organization recognized by the university to serve that role. So um, when the university is like, oh, like we need somebody to sit in on this conversation about um, LGBTQ policy, and they'll go immediately to the essay and say, hey, give us a representative, or hey, we need someone on this pandemic task force. Hey, let's go to the essay and um, and get a representative. So. The primary, ad, the primary advocacy body in the eyes of the university um, were the, the student body officials. So I'm the, the unofficial term for my position is student body president. 
Uh, our minor, minor goals are funding student organizations. Everybody pays a fee, um, a tax, if you will. And then we redistribute that to every organization who's looking to hold an event. Um, so at, I think that's the bare minimum of what we do um, and just a short version of that. Yeah, Charlene, anything you want to add to the essay? I feel like Brandon did a really good job of kind of encapsulating that. Um, so just to like speak on my experience of coming into the essay, um, I was first um, appointed as a first year senator and um, then I got into the position as undergraduate at large. And um, I don't know, just like being in the student association, just very like connecting with administration is like one of the main things that we do within the essay and advocating for students um, hosting town halls and overall just writing legislation um, in terms of like what you would like the admin to do um, and like see moving forward but overall Brandon explained very much so what the essay is very nice okay I just wanted to give some context for that because I think we kind of assume people know what stuff like the essay and GW is but it, it gets confusing all the letters and stuff um, okay, so let's pause on essay talk. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I kind of want to talk about your experiences growing up, talk me through your hometowns, um, how you were raised, how aware of you, how aware were you, excuse me, of your race growing up? Um, did you go to a diverse school? Kind of give me the whole situation on growing up in America. Okay, so I'll start on this one. Um, so I was born in Willingboro, New Jersey. Um, the demographics for that were predominantly um, Black, and brown with some white um, folks there, here and there. Um, overall, um, the environment that I grew up in, it was very community-based. Um, everybody knew each other. Um, just going to school with people who looked like me, it was very, it was very, um, you know, just like welcoming. Um, I even had teachers who looked like me um, all throughout preschool to, I believe, middle school. Um, but in the middle of that, I eventually moved around to like Burlington Township and that area was predominantly white. Um, so just switching over to that town, I saw like a lot of differences and um, just a difference in how things were managed, for example, our academics and K through 12 system. Um, I feel like in predominantly black, black and brown areas, there's not really enough funding in our academics and I saw the difference when going into that town. And even as growing up, like in high school, um, I moved again to Trenton, New Jersey. A lot of people wondered like if I, if I was born in Trenton or like if I just lived there for high school. Um, I just lived there for high school and that town was predominantly black and brown. And ever since I've moved there, I just felt like a passion to you know work within the academic system and work within like you know work with admin and you know the trend board of education and just addressing those um issues that i've noticed growing up like you know the difference in funding the difference in support that my groups were getting um so that compelled me to you know just work with what i'm doing right now like in college um just noticing that gap in like the support that black and brown individuals received um, in terms of their white counterparts, like it really just compelled me to, you know, advocate and represent. And um, yeah, just overall, I just grew up with like black and brown individuals and I started moving around to like more predominantly white schools. 
Very nice. You moved around. Yeah, I was in the same place for 13 years. So that, or like I, more than that, but like my school was a K through 12. So I get the, the vibe there. Brandon, how about you? Yeah, so I'm from the great state of Maryland. I know everybody's jealous. It's like, oh, not everybody can be from Maryland. <laughs> I get it. Um, and so we definitely, um, Southern Maryland, my, my town um, is called Waldorf. And so in terms of numbers, like 60% African-American, 40% white or other people of color. Um, and so definitely a predominantly African-American area. Um, most of my experiences have been in the education system just because like that's all you do when you're between the age of like one and 18 is just go to school. Uh, and so like all of, all of my teachers are white and but all of my classmates are black. And so that made really made for like an interesting dynamic. Um, I call this like my coming to age story. But like when I was in the first grade, um, I, I, it was career day. And so you had to like dress up as the job that you wanted to have when you got older. So like people went to like Party City and got like a fireman costume or like a girl came in dressed as a princess. And I'm like, okay, you can be a princess or whatever, I guess, if, if, that's, if that's your aspiration in first, first grade. But I wanted to be the president of the United States. And I'm like, oh my God, I know that's so GW. So like, I got my church suit out, you know, every, everybody knows you got church clothes. I got my church suit out. And so, and I begged my mom that I needed a briefcase because I was like, oh my God, all presidents are lawyers. Let my mom needs to give me a briefcase. So she spent her last heart on dollars because we weren't making that much to buy me a briefcase from a thrift store. So I go into school with my church suit and my briefcase and I and then we did went like a round robin around the room with everybody standing up and saying like, oh, I'm a princess, so I'm a fighter fighter, or I'm Bob the Builder or whatever. And so when it came to me and I told everybody that I wanted to be the president of the United States, my teacher told me that um, that I should choose something more realistic because most presidents don't look like me. And so... <laughs> And so that was, um, and so I, that, that was just something that was so shocking um, at the time and the class just like bursted out into laughter. Um, and so I, I really just like shrugged it off, but having like looked back at it, um, even like, I, I remember like finally telling my mom about it in high school and she was like, oh, like that's racism. And I'm like, no, that's not racism. Like, because everybody like likes to scream racism at the minorest inconvenience at, at things. And like, no, is it really racism? Like, I don't know, but now like, now that I'm like, in my full-fledged like college adult body I'm like wait maybe maybe that was like my first experience with racism like maybe that's why I keep like referring back to it um and so lots of students like in my town have experiences with that because like all our teachers were white um but like at this time like I don't want to be the president anymore um that really spearheaded my my interest in like education and I'm hoping to be a teacher um, and better support students of color in the way that I wasn't supported. So that's why I call it like my coming of age story, my like Batman hero arc. Um, no, I love it. A little bit I love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like that is very jelly in the best sense, in the sense of like, yeah, the church suit and the briefcase is definitely the presidential look. But um, yeah, I feel like I also face situations like that where like teachers would kind of, I had very supportive teachers in high school and throughout my school, but it was very subliminal how I would receive some things. Um, and they were mostly white, but that's all I ever knew. Like, I, I think it's funny how you mentioned like your recognition of what race is and like racism and microaggressions. Um, Cause I just grew up not knowing that I look different than my peers until I like hit me and I'm like, oh, I don't look, we are very different. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, Charlene, do you have any stories like that? Anything growing up in the classroom experiences? 
any DM that story. Yes, I do. Okay, so you guys know how I told y'all I moved around a lot, okay? So this place we moved to was a bit, a bit too white for me. <laughs> so um, basically, like, in the beginning of the school year, you, like, introduce yourself, you say what you like, what your favorite food is, your favorite sport, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I did a project in which um, I talked about like my favorite food, which was rice and beans. Um, and, you know, just like my favorite sports and like the things I like to do. So at the end of the week, there were like, there was like one project miss, well, it didn't have a name, right? So the teacher was trying to figure out, you know, whose project this was, blah, blah, blah. So one key thing that like stood out was that this person liked fried chicken, right? So there's only two black kids in the classroom. So in order to find out who this project belongs to, she asks the class, she's like, um, does anybody have this project? You know, the favorite food is fried chicken, blah, blah, blah. Nobody said anything. She then calls out me and the other black student in the class. She's like, Charlene and Jameer, are you guys sure this isn't your project? I'm like, <laughs> nope, nope. I'm just sitting there like, really? Like very, very much, you know, undertone of fried chicken. This is yours. She knew what she was doing. She knew what she, she, knew was, what she was doing. <laughs> so finally, the person claims their project and it is not what we're expecting, but it's a, a white person. And that's my story that like I tend to like share with people. I think it's funny. Like I didn't really get mad at it at first, but it's just interesting to see how like in a predominantly white space where like, you know, there are a select number of people of color populations. It's just like that's kind of like, you know, what people tend to think and stuff. No, I think that's a good point. I I also want to ask you guys real quick, you kind of touch on this, but how aware do you think you were of your race growing up um, in school, maybe out of school? Um, were you aware of your blackness and being in America, being in predominantly white spaces? Like, how was that made, made, you know, evident to you through your family, through your friends? Do you have any experiences with that? Yeah. Um, and so this is something that I'm currently dealing with right now. And so um, my parents always make everything about race. Um, and so the sense that, oh, you got to be on a paper? Oh, it's because you're black. Like, oh, like you you got pulled over at, at on the side of the road. It's because you're black. Oh, they charged you more at the store because you're black. And so I'm like trying to take. I've been trying to take more of a critical lens, just because like it was been pushed down my throat so much, um, growing up to know to know that like any injustice that I experience is because I'm is because I'm black. And at at the time, I thought it was like no, like race isn't even that important. Like, not everything is just, like, discrimination and things like that. But, like, as, as I said, like, moving forward and, like, becoming more into myself, I'm like, hmm, maybe that was a little a little bit of racism. Or, like, maybe that was a, like, microaggression tone. So, like, I, I, to answer the question, like, I think I, I've been, like, hyper aware of my race. And because of that, I've, like, kind of, like, had this internal qualm of, like, mm, maybe, like, let me become less aware of it to open my mind when really that's not the solution that we need. No, it's kind of backwards, just interesting, like, the way that you've discovered it. Yeah. Charlene, what about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, so, like, growing up around people who look like me, I didn't really notice it because just, like, I was treated the same way as, like, you know, my classmates and everybody else who I lived near. But moving into, you know, those settings where um, the demographics were different, um, 
I feel like I definitely noticed um, microaggressions. Even though I was young, I definitely like would go back home to my mom and say like, hmm, like somebody said this about me and I don't know how I feel about that. But like growing up, um, I feel like my race, like I feel like I really think about my race a lot in terms of many things, like, you know, that can be due to the fact that I'm a black woman. And, and I think Charlene raises a good point too. And it's like, like some things just like make you feel uncomfy. And it's like, is this racism? Is this like major discrimination? Was that a microaggression? Was that intentional? And then like, and all you can say is that this just doesn't sit right with me. You no, know, exactly. and so I completely. That's remember. all you can say. It's like, it's like, am I, am I reading too much into this? Mm-hmm. Is it really racist? Exactly. And then you start to kind of like hyperanalyze it. And, and, and that point, like, I feel like I'm pretty outspoken confrontational. I like to say that, but then when mm-hmm. something like that happens, I'm found dumbfounded. Right. Cause I'm yep. just thinking. And then in the moment I'm like, did I lose that moment? Because I couldn't say anything. Cause I was thinking. So very good point. Charlie. Exactly. Okay, well, switching gears kind of to GW, um, we are all proud. I don't want to say colonials. I don't want to say colonials. I oh, say God. Colonials. <laughs> We're like, what's your mascot? And I'm like, I'm the colonial. <laughs> I don't say it. Um, okay, so kind of talking about how your experience has been at GW. Charlene, you're obviously a freshman. This is your first year at GW. Um, and Brandon, you've been here for a little while, three years. So I'll hear from you both about your GW experiences. Um, kind of anything you want to share about what you felt so far? Either can go. Sure, yeah. Um, and so I think I I think I've had a very good GW experience. I don't know if this is just the Leo in me popping off, but like when I was applying to colleges, I feel like I'd be happy anywhere. Like I just wanted to be around people and do my thing. And like, like academics was just like a, a, a subsidiary of that. And so when it came to GW, it was just like, oh, they gave me the most money and like they're, they're local, so I'm gonna just go. Um, but I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm very happy. I think the people are my favorite thing. Like sure, we experience like so many injustices with administration and the essay puts me on the forefront of physically fighting for the lives of students. Um, but like, it's really the students that make this experience so worthwhile. And so being able to be like, I truly have 28,000 friends on campus because like everyone is so important um, and influential in each other's lives and just like the culture of collaboration that's been created um, is just something that I'm just like super excited about and love to be a part of. Um, Charlene? Yeah, um, I was just going to say like overall my GW experience has been, um, I feel like very unique and um, just like, I'm just excited to be here. Um, so like, I actually was on my Snapchat memories like a few days ago and decision day post, like actually not decision day, my acceptance post like was like it came up and just looking back at that, like it was just very, um, just like a very surreal experience to know that like, you know, like a few months from then I would be doing everything that I'm doing now, like, you know, connecting with students, talking to administration, and just, you know, just meeting new people from different areas of the world, like, it's just crazy. And yeah, that's how my GW experience is going so far. Well said, yeah, I think we, I mean, definitely not every single moment we can talk about mental health in the pandemic and just quarantine in general, but I think for the most part, it's been a really positive experience, GW, despite 
you know, being virtual this year. And, and Charlene, I feel like you and I wouldn't really know anything better for college. Like I was taking virtual classes for one. I was like, this is great. Like I'm in college now. And my friends are like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I'm like, what? it's fun. Um, so I'm glad that you're able to gain some sort of insight despite not being on campus, which you are on campus now, right? Yes, I'm on campus now. Very nice. Yeah, cool. I just left DC, but I'm happy. You're in South, right? So you're South Hall, South very Hall. nice. And Brandon's <laughs> in the district. He's in the district. He is. Very nice. Um, okay, so kind of, I want to get into GW a little bit more. Um, how has your experience been in the classroom? Um, talk me through your professors, classes you've taken. Uh, we've mentioned anecdotes about um, elementary school and high school, but how about those moments in college? Have you experienced those, um, maybe from your peers or your professors alike? Um, okay, so, so coming into the semester, I started off with 12 credits. So I took like, you know, my intro to poli sci class, my um, anthropology class, my French, and what else did I take? Basically, like overall, like looking back at my high school experience and looking at college, I feel like it is definitely different um, considering that we're virtual, but just the fact that like professors, they don't play around. Like they don't play around like this isn't high school anymore. Like you have to get those assignments in. Um, and I feel like just coming into college, like I had to understand that like, you know, teachers aren't gonna be, you know, just chill anymore, but like this is college. This is like one more step to like the real world. Um, but yeah, I feel like with GW, my classes are very engaging and the content is just very interesting. So just looking back on high school, like I'm happy that I'm actually taking courses that I'm interested in taking. Um, Brendan, how about you? I think I, I love this question because I think it's so interesting and in that like I I have a very like diverse major in the sense that like political communication is like basically poli size. So you get stuck with like the Elliot kids and like the, the future <laughs> Wait, president. For context, Elliot School International Affairs, if you don't go to GW, ask a GW student to sum it up. No hate <laughs> by Elliot listeners. Love you guys too. <laughs> and then you'll get like human services and social justice and that's basically sociology and you get these like white, white saviors coming in so like everybody wants to save the world in the, the, in the conversation the right sorry right <laughs> <laughs> we need to get back to that yeah go ahead and and it's it, it there are like so many undertones of like competition everywhere at gw whereas like in high school I did absolutely nothing. I was the president of X, Y, and Z club, and I had a 4.9 GPA. But the way I do absolutely nothing here, and am barely like making making like the dean's list. I like everybody has X, Y, and Z internship, and they're like, "You don't have an internship? Like, why don't you have an internship?" Oh, sure. like you're only taking like you didn't you didn't do this essay? Like, no, I did not do this. Why would I do this essay? Like, and so people are like. The people are taking every chance they can to like tear you down um, and like prove that they're better than everybody. And so life just becomes really so much better when you realize that you don't have to compete. And so like when you show up to class, like, and to show up to class because you enjoy the people, you enjoy the content and like grades are just secondary, um, life really becomes so much better because you see everybody else stressing about the midterm and you're like, I'll start it whenever and I'll, and I'll be happy with whatever I get, type B. 
Um, and so it, it's so funny watching everybody else like compete and do their things while you're while you're just like to doodling along. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about myself. No, I think that's a really good point that no one, everyone knows doesn't really talk about is a subliminal competition at GW, how everyone's looking like, well, what, like, when did you go on that? And like, I think in high school, maybe people are out more outwardly asking you, but at GW, it's kind of like, oh, what are you doing this summer? And it's like the fall, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing this summer. Um, and so that's such a relatable point, because I think that you feel that as a freshman, you feel it as a junior, I'm sure I'll feel it, you know, as my time goes on. But it is liberating to be like, I do my own thing, we run our own race, it's not, it doesn't affect you. Um, you mentioned white saviors, and I think that's a very good point um, at GW. Charlene, do you want to speak to those encounters? I've felt them in my classes. I can speak to that as well. I just want to hear kind of your take on this. Okay, so coming to GW, you definitely see it a, a lot. The whole white savior, the whole performative activist, it's everywhere. Um, so personally for me, um, oh, I do not want to throw, oh, I do not want to throw anybody under the no, but just yeah, do, it. Do, it. Do, it, do, do it. Do it. Do it. Come on, let's go. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so we saw it. We saw it in the summer. Um, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter protests and you know the rallies and stuff like that. The Black Square, the Black Square being posted on our Instagram. Ooh, I saw too many GW people posting the Black Square, and now, and now they're silent. Do you guys hear anything? Because I don't. I don't hear anything. Not the silence. But, <laughs> it's the silence for me. It's the silence for me. But um, I don't know. Coming to GW, I feel like people are so, um, you know, just so keen on being like the president of the United States and, you know, like saving the world that it just doesn't come across as genuine. It really just comes across as putting more things on your on your resume and just seeming like you're helping when you're really not. Um, and I don't know if anybody's watching, if you really want to help and if you really want to support a cause, talk to those communities that are being affected by the injustices affecting them today. Don't just put out a petition and blah, blah, blah. Like actually reach out to those communities and see what they need, see what you can do, educate yourselves on those topics. Because if you just go out um, speaking on things that you don't know, it really comes across as just performative activism. And that's what I've seen a lot at GW. So GW students, if you're watching this, you know, take note. What Charlene says goes, so I listen. Brendan, any thoughts on this? No, I completely agree. An Instagram post is not enough, um, especially when you have black peers and black classmates, like the abysmally low amount of people who have like reached out and like professors as well. Like the way I had classes like both yesterday and last week during like the um, the Derek Chauvin trials and all that stuff. I'm like, are, we're doing this? Like, we're, we're like, life is still going on. Yeah, talk about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I will shout out. I have one. My professor Mellinger for my sociology class. She was like, I know it's tough if you need a mental health break. Like, know it. And I was really impressed by that because I was like, oh, you should say that but the bar is so low that like when a professor checks on me i'm like oh my goodness Literally. <laughs> you know so i think that's a really good point because we don't actually know the extent of what's going on in people's lives students teachers faculty everyone um but we're consuming all of us all the time it's a lot to carry for everyone especially mm -hmm. respected so i'm glad you said that um ooh, one more thing one more thing i also like <clears throat> in terms of that ooh, a little bad. um i wanted to touch on 
the whole um, thing of like our professors not looking like us. Um, like, you know, as people of color, I feel like oftentimes, like especially in a PWI, the classes that we're taking are, you know, taught by white males or just like, you know, white professors. And I feel like that's a problem that even us as students, we can, um, you know, reach out to admin about just like faculty diversification. And that's one thing that I'm working on right now within the essay, but enough of that. Um, just like personally, like I just feel like in situations like this, like it would really be beneficial if we could have like, you know, professors who are, who look like us, who understand our struggle, who understand the climate that our um, world is in today, just to like, you know, reach out to us and like, you know, just base the class discussion around like, you know, topics like that. Because today, like right now in my classes, like not much of that is happening. And I mean, like, it's good to have, you know, white professors who are like allies, you know, reaching out and stuff like that. But I really feel like just, it would be very beneficial if like more professors could do that. And like more professors who look like us would like reach out and like lend a helping hand. That's just something that I've noticed like within this um, virtual, like, you know, schooling as a whole, but yeah, I just wanted to share that. No, well said. I also think there's a there's a level of like consciousness about the content in the sense of like in high school, my teachers, the teachers heavily impact how you're learning. Someone could take a push at four different schools and learn it completely differently. And GW, I think there is a sense of like uniformity in some classes, but there also isn't. Um, and I had my first semester of international politics class. I had a lot of people explain in the Middle East to me, and I'm like, oh, nice, this is good. Um, and it's it, that does happen where people kind of take on the role. Um, and I'm like. You don't have a place to say this. I appreciate, and I think it's just different between learning and being open to learning, and then like just explaining to someone. I think that will bridge the gap between ignorance and complacence and everything, and just hopefully eradicate that in our community. Um, okay, let's move on to the essay. Let's just get into it. Um, let's just dive in and talk through it. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Charlene. I'll start with you because you talked about how you felt black and brown voices were not heard um, in your high school. Maybe you felt that at GW too. Can you kind of speak to how you'll make sure that people at GW will have their voice heard through you and through Brandon as well um, and what you'll do in your position? Okay, so just touching on like going back to high school again. <laughs> Sorry. So like in high school, I was like known as like the activist for some reason. Like I was always that one like reaching out to admin or like always in the principal's office, you know, just talking about random stuff. And I don't know, just coming to GW, just coming to GW, um, I noticed that gap between like, you know, um, black and brown individuals and just like just who is like receiving the support they need. So that is why I um, applied to be a part of the student association, just to amplify the voices of marginalized communities. Um, so just within the essay, I really hope to next year um, implement an equity and inclusion advisory board within CCAS. That way, um, those of marginalized communities are included and represented within the decision-making process. Um, and just ensuring that no voice goes unheard or silenced when um, things are being made on behalf of us and, you know, our um, troubles. And just in addition to that, to allocate more funding to um, ethnic study programs. So, um, for example, the Africana Studies program, um, not many students really know about that and not many students are um, just like aware of it and they don't receive that many support and funding. So my goal is to work with admin in like 
um, allocating more funds and just giving more support to ethnic study programs and programs that affect and just speak about issues that you know people of color um, go through um, and just overall just ensuring that those who look like me are represented and advocated for ensuring that they have a seat at the table and are heard in terms of like you know admin and the decisions that the university makes on our behalf oh charlene you can speak forever i'd be like yes you can okay brendan how about you no yeah i agree and it's interesting because uh when i joined the the student association my freshman year um it was because of the Vern. and so i lived on the Vern. I wanted to better the Vern. I love the Vern, and I just wanted to share that love with You're everybody. You're a Vernie, Brandon. Oh <laughs> yeah, I was Vern too. I avoided it with. The oh my God! I'm so sad. You all are gonna having to miss out on the Vern. Please, you are the uh, spokesperson. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and and so I joined just to like advocate and better the Vern, but then like being one of the few like black individuals in that space, like representing my community, really like fell to me, and so and. I ran as a senator because I found out about so many injustices towards students of color. Um, and then having been a senator during that same year where, um, uh, this was before you all are on campus, but Alpha Phi, post, the president of Alpha Phi Rose posted a, no, this was Phi Sigma Sigma, the president of Phi, not there being two different, no, the president of Phi Sigma Sigma oh, God, that's a <laughs> posted a, a racist Snapchat. President LeBlanc said uh, a racially insensitive statement. And then so having there, there have been the most black people in the essay at one time, creating a black senator's caucus to really begin those discussions and advocating um, was really like the, the step towards that. And now, like, I, that I guess has paid off now serving in the role as a president. But I, I, echo, <laughs> I echo everything that Charlene said, but I think it's really being proactive about everything in the sense that like not you shouldn't just come around just the communities of color during uh during hate crime and increase in hate crimes with the asian community or during black lives matter protests with the black community like making sure that these relationships are proactive and you're constantly building them and not just coming around when things are in turmoil like we talked about performativeness and, and making these genuine connections with student organizations um and that's like that's not a policy that's just like a, a culture shift really wait brandon i have a question so <laughs> don't take over take over wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this, is important. this is important because i'm about to like actually like shout him out real quick okay so during your time as president that small time this semester didn't you create a racial and ethnic justice task force or am I wrong? I did. We um, Okay, so can we please give Brandon a, a round of applause for not only creating a Black Senators Caucus, but a racial and ethnic justice task force while he was president? Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. I want to bottle up like, the support and energy in this chat or in this call and then just, yeah. Right. <laughs> I can feel it through the screen. Um, I mean, Charlene, it's a great point because I want to ask Brandon about this too. So I think that people that don't go to GW, essay elections are a big freaking deal. Um, there are campaigns and Instagrams and you vote like through a portal. It is legit. So Brandon, I want to talk through um, kind of, and Charlene as well. Have you guys ever had people question your leadership? Um, I've heard people call 
you know, campaigns like the white Greek ticket, the like not appropriate ticket. I kind of want to ask you, what is your response to that? How did you take that? And what is your kind of, I guess, response to those people that say that to you? Um, I, the, so the, the amount of like, so there's a difference between like feedback and, and hate comments, but like the amount of hate comments that like I've received in regards to like the election and in regards to the campaign have been insane. So like there have so, been so many people that have, I, the one that sticks to mind is that like, oh, like y'all really didn't, y'all vote, voted for Brandon and he's not even active in the black community. He's endorsed by Greek life. He's not a real black person, da, 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 da. Oh, and, like, not the real black person. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? I have no clue what that even means. And so there have been so, there, so definitely like the questioning of my own legitimacy um, and so there's definitely like, we've never had, well, we've had essay presidents run for reelection. Um, only one of them has been successful before, excluding myself. Um, and so most people just like brand you as the establishment candidate or the status quo. Um, and so I, that's like borderline, but I'll, I'll, I'll consider that like genuine feedback of like people wanting like actual change in, in leadership. Um, but so it's really just like taking everything with a grain of salt. Um, and moving forward, um, because it, 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 it's like people are voting for their friends and they're sad their friends lose, but also like people like take what we do seriously and we need to take what we do seriously. Um, so like moving forward, there's a lot, we're, we're look, looking to like reach out to the communities that like didn't endorse the campaign and get some collaboration there where we're thinking of holding some like post-election listening sessions to gather more feedback from students and individuals about like, so why do you hate me? And like, wh where can we, where can we collaborate in some spaces? Um, so definitely like, definitely like claims that like I'm not legitimate or there have also been like associations with like my predecessor um, who was, who was ousted for like sexual assault or harassments. And they're like, oh, how do we know you're not any better than him? What? Like, how do, how do we know you're not complacent in that? And so, like, ev everything in the book has been thrown at me, truly. Ugh, and I think that not, and this, to validate your feelings, of course, that's insane. I don't know how people are, you're literally essay candidates at GW. We are not, like, at, you know, maybe we are. But um, I think that people of color often face that question of, like, well, why are you in this role by white people? And then by people in their community, like, why are you doing that? Like, are you trying to assimilate? Are you trying to be further away from us? And I think that just delegitimizes every work, piece of work you're doing. Um, so I apologize for that, but yeah, I think you're handling it so well. Charlene, what about you? Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk on that. Um, so just as a black person, and I just feel like people of color as a whole feel this, um, I feel like oftentimes people of color are like, left to fix the institution and fix like you know what's going on and when that happens like in the process of that happening we're left having to like you know kind of kind of like you know be like have to like quiet ourselves down in order to like you know get a yes from admin or like actually get the support that we need um and i don't know i just feel like i don't know where i'm going with this but i just feel like coming into the SA, wanting to like advocate for your people and like, you know, represent your people, you often get, like you often get silenced or you often get told no. So in the midst of that, you end up having to like, actually like quiet yourself down and like make admin feel comfortable or like say yes to them in order to get what you want. 
um because when you do come off too strong it's like you end up like getting shut down like nothing ends up happening and i feel like that's what a lot of people of color like within leadership positions um like you know go through and then in addition to that like having to you know wanting like being able to advocate for your people it's like there comes like a weight load and kind of like you know a sense of burnout with that because like you know you want to you want to advocate for your people and work hard but sometimes you just get shut down or like it just feels like there's nothing working in what you do and I don't know where I'm going with this no, no, it was <laughs> but, but I just want to share like personally for me like coming into the essay like as a first year and like advocating I feel like and just like fixing the institution that was never fixing the institution that was never made for you um I often feel like burnt out and like often feel like what I'm doing is not enough um and then like you know considering that like people have um like strong expectations for you to like fight for them it's like sometimes you just can't pull through for everybody and then then their expectations start you know like falling down and then next you know like people are coming for you for like not upholding to what you said you were going to do but in all honesty like it gets hard especially as a person of color like you know working with admin being in a leadership position it like really gets hard and i feel like a lot of people don't know that but i just wanted to share that no the burnout is real Brenda, i actually have a question for you and charlene you can speak to this as well but um as someone who's been on it for three years, I want to know, like, what does the admin look like in the sense of, like, are you going to be the only person of color in that room talking to them? Or are they, like, do you feel they're listening to you and valuing your opinion? Because it is a big role to be talking to the administration of a huge university like that. So can you kind of talk through what that looks like? Because I'm not sure. No, absolutely. So usually it's, it'll be me, myself, and the vice president. So usually I will be the only student of color in that room. Um, and in every single meeting, I'm reminded that these meetings are a privilege and that if admin did not want to meet with me, they did not have to. And so that that really changes the whole demeanor of things and that like, oh, I can't be too aggressive or, or not even aggressive, I can't be too passionate because it will come, become, it'll come off as aggressive and then I won't be able to meet with this administrator anymore. And then that hurts the students. Like it, there have been so many essay administrations in the past who have just been completely iced out by administrators and have gotten nothing done because of it because of little like personal qualms or beefs and things like that. Um, and so we're, I'm definitely reminded of that in every meeting that I attend, that it's a privilege and not a right for me to be here. Um, and that definitely takes a toll, um, especially I, I've physically broken down in meetings um, and like like tears rolling down my face, like fight, fighting for my life because I've gotten so passionate about things. Um, and it's it's truly like not because like I'm sad. It's truly because like I don't know how to react because if I scream and yell and kick and fight, then like then I'm aggressive or I'm being mean and I'll, I'm I'm hurting this white adult's feelings type beat. Mm. And so <laughs> I think that's a good piece of insight. People that are not in the essay and like just hear about that. Like that's what goes on behind the scenes. And you guys are passionate. And I'll I'll even add that like it's it's also interesting because like. I didn't, I didn't join the essay to represent people of color. I came for the Vern. Mm -hmm. And then like, you're like Charlene being like the only woman of color is obviously looked to as the sole representative of women in color of the essay, most likely. And it's like, oh, you're here to represent people of color. Like that's your thing. Uh, and so like, it, it's so weird to like, if you'd want to step out of that 
and advocate for anything else. Like one of my big projects this year was like an issue that specifically affected graduate students. And I'm like, well, I'm not a graduate student. Like, I don't know, like the demographics of the graduate students. People are like, you're really wasting your time on that. Like you're not doing anything to like support like students of color or anything. Like, but we can walk, jump, we can walk in true gum at the same time. Right. No, I have I have a quick like story that's a little bit related but also unrelated. Um, I was one of our SMPA events. SMPA <laughs> uh, was talking about like Kamala Harris. I think we were talking about how like if we label her as a unicorn, it's very harmful because what she does as a black woman in her role will then represent everything that a black woman would do in any role, and she kind of like stands for this when she should make choices as Kamala Harris, not as a black woman. Even though it'll affect her experience, I think a little bit compares to Charlene in the sense of like what Charlene does is as Charlene Richards. It's not like as in her experience does impact and Charlene you can speak to this as well but like I don't want people to be like well women and women of color are going to make choices like that because Charlene's done that that puts a lot of pressure on you like mm-hmm. you have a lot of pressure to go through this experience you're the best ah. you, can, you know <laughs> oh baby can we talk about it <laughs> <laughs> my term didn't even start and I'm already stressing <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness no but 100% I agree with everything you just said Thank you. Thank you for the validation. Um, okay, so unfortunately, as we wrap up pretty soon, I have um, the final question that I ask most of my guests. And I, w- I really want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Um, what would you say to your younger self, Brandon, to your younger self in his church suit and briefcase, Charlene in that classroom? At any point in your life, what would be your biggest piece of advice to yourself growing up just to see yourself now? I would definitely tell my younger self to just keep going because, like, Although it may, it may seem like the odds are stacked against you and although like, you know, people may not believe in you, just keep going and life will just turn out the way it is meant to turn out. Very nice. Brandon? This is such a hard question. <laughs> and they ask it on every season of Drag Race and I'm like, oh my God, if I had this question, I would never know how to answer it. Well, here it is. <laughs> so I I think I would tell my younger self to I think I'd tell myself to just smile more. Um I think someone to just like put more emphasis on like being happy and making yourself happy. Um rather than like searching for the validation um of others. I I think that's the go-to. <laughs> Different color chains, see my jewelry really selling fruits And they joking, man, know the crack 
afraid of the claim to fame When you realize your name brings shame Wait, 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 wait I can't see straight, straight, straight By the end of the night You'll know your mistakes And never forget my name No, they got the swoosh But I got the chance To clean sub, yeah Testing me. I'm loving, set it up. 